We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Transformative Principle. I am your host, Jethro Jones, and you can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I want to take a minute and invite you to participate in the Transformative Leadership Summit this year. We've got about 30 awesome speakers. Jeff Zolds, John Harper, Mike Anderson, Kyle Palmer, Bill Ziegler, and many, many more. And I'd like to invite you to come and check it out. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be releasing little mini episodes of the Transformative Principle podcast that are highlights from the Transformative Leadership Summit. So you can get an idea of who you're going to be learning from and what you will get from it. So I hope you enjoy it. And thank you so much for listening to the Transformative Principle podcast. Go to transformativeleadershipsummit.com to sign up for that event. It'll be July 31st through August 8th. I always forget to say that. Welcome to Transformative Principle. Today, I am continuing my conversation with Sumant Pentharker, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. We're going to talk more about some pretty radical ideas, including end of the year or end of level exams uh, nationwide. And I think that... uh, Sumant has some interesting ideas here, and I hope you'll take a minute to listen. One of the things that I think is really fascinating is the idea of internships for students and how a student could uh, leave high school ready to join the workforce or go to college, whichever they choose. And that's an interesting idea. So I hope you enjoy this, and uh, please share it with somebody who needs a little bit of challenging of the status quo in education. And I do want to give a quick plug for the Transformative Leadership Summit, which is happening here in about a month. And I hope that you will go to transformativeleadershipsummit.com and sign up to be a part of that. It's a great opportunity to do some uh, awesome professional development right as your summer ends or your new school year begins or whatever your schedule is like in your district. So thank you so much and enjoy the interview with Sumant Pendharker. 
So what can parents do to help their students get prepared? And what are the services that K-12 Counts offers? So we are not nationwide yet. We're working on that. Since I have a background in computer science and also have corporate experience, I do plan to bring K-12 Counts to other states as well. But let's leave K-12 Counts aside for just a minute and let's talk about other resources that are already available. Great. In this particular school that uh, we were doing a pilot program, they have uh, an organization called City Year. I hope I have that right. They provide after-school tutoring for free. That service goes largely unsubscribed or underutilized by students who actually need that help. So if the, uh, and I, it's a challenge. I mean, I understand that I've seen it so many times in the school that these tutors are ready, waiting, and the students don't show up. Jethro, I'm going to take a, a step back again for, uh, for a second, and I'm going to uh, share something with you. In, in India, there are two high, uh, board level exams, which are nationwide. One is in 10th grade, and the other one is 12th grade. The 10th grade exam lets students go into the various disciplines based on how well they do. Uh, and they can choose, of course, to go into a certain discipline if they scored really high on that 10th grade exam. And it's called a, it's a, na- a national board exam. The students are so aware of it that from pretty much when they're in 7th and 8th grade, they're already starting to think my 10th board exam is coming up. There's a pressure. And the parents, which should say, use that pressure on their children. And they pretty much cancel all vacations and everything starting from 9th grade. I mean, this is a little extreme, okay? So bear with me as I say this to you. But 9th grade onwards, the students are told or the children are told there's a 10th grade exam coming up start preparing. And the parents are very aware of how their children are doing because they're watchful of the grades. And if those children need help, in India, we don't have as much of a system of having after-school free help. You have to pay and play. Mm-hmm. And that means you get uh, tuition or you send students to uh, children to classes and they learn extra. They have to step up to you know, get ready for the 10th board exam. In the 10th board exam, sorts our students into and I don't mean this in a bad way, sorts out. It's, uh, it's, well, if you want to go into science, then you need to score X amount because the competition is intense. You want to go into business or finance, this is what you need to score. So students know that, that they have to prepare for the 10th board exam. The 12th board exam is a passing out exam, and that, that score is used by colleges for uh, admissions. Now, uh, some of the top schools in the country, especially uh, if you heard of the IIT's Indian Institute of Institute of Technology, those folks have a joint entrance exam, pretty much like I guess the UC system where they also have, you, you apply to a UC system and then you get into based on uh, your scores and grades and everything else. But there's a joint a- entrance exam for only for few colleges. Other colleges take the 12th grade exam results and uh, admit you for, for, uh, for college. The United States of America needs to have very strong college graduation exam. And if students don't clear that, this is a country of second chances. They can go to community colleges, they can take extra classes, and they can go back and take the same exam, which is a nationwide exam again. So, Shirley Sumant, there are parents in India who don't take their children's education that seriously, right? And so, there's got to be the same type of, of parents who don't care or I shouldn't say don't care, but who don't make that 10th grade board exam a priority. Does that not exist in in India and the other places that you've been? Let's talk about India because that's more intimately knowledgeable for me. You're right about that, but there's a little bit of an explanation for that as well. There's a very strong business community and uh, these parents are well well placed economically 
And for them, education is not a, such a critical part because their children can enter the family business. And so in that case, the children are off the hook for having to really excel academically if they don't want to. On the very low economic strata, uh, the parents can push their kids up to a certain extent. They will make uh, whatever they can from their side to make it happen. And yes, we do have that in India as well, where some parents are not, because they themselves have, were not educated, and they are struggling with helping their own children. So there are non-profits which are addressing that issue in India as we speak. Okay. And so it becomes an issue where, you know, you have those problems there as well. But you're saying that having the board level exams takes those who would be kind of in the middle of the road and pushes them into the more intensely supportive role for parents. Is that do I understand that correctly? I would say that that by having a board exam, a 10th board and a 12th board exam, it puts pre- academic pressure and it puts a pressure that you know, students need to step up and get ready for that. And, and I'm going to say this to you, in, uh, it might sound a little funny, but it is really a reality as well, that when it comes down to time to a marriage, the, one of the first questions that gets asked is, what is the educational background of both, the boy and the girl? Now, we don't have as much of the traditional arranged marriages, but th- that question is there. How well are you academically placed? Because academics is considered important because that's the ticket for getting a good job. So f- from a society point of view, that's an expectation that is there f- right from the beginning. You run into uncles and aunts or you run into se- uh, older cousins. Their first question to, uh, to you is, what are you going to be? What are you going to do? What are, what's, what are your plans for studying? Where are you going to go to college? These are basic questions that get asked again and again. And I'll tell you that it's really painful to be, uh, I'm the youngest in my whole, my, from my mom's side. And I've been asked that question so many times, sick of it. Yeah, I, I believe that. And But you know what I did? I wrote books. I wrote, I'm the only solidly published um, cousin. So I kind of wiped the grins off my older cousin's faces <laughs> by being published by Random House Prentice Hall on McGraw Hill. <laughs> Yeah. Revenge is sweet, you know? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, you know, for my family, I can't ever think of a time where going to college wasn't wasn't a part of my future. It was always just assumed that that is what I would do. So I think that my background, I came from a family like yours where I got more annoyed at the what college are you going to go to question because everybody was always asking. And so, you know, they... There was always just an assumption that that was going to be the case. Yeah, and the thing is interesting is uh, I know that there's a lot of conversation around not everybody is cut out to go to college and college should not be the only emphasis and you should go to vocational training. I support that 100%, but I also support 100% that a student should graduate at their age-appropriate grade level. It is important for them to be, be able to read and write and do basic math of what is expected when a student graduates from, from high school. And fortunately, there's a, it's an interesting thing. The United States is removed from the rest of the world because of its geographic location. So a lot of the jobs which can stay here can really be right here. And uh, so a lot of the industries say that they don't find students who are recently graduated uh, with, with adequate writing and reading skills. That part should definitely be addressed. But at the same time, the United States is competing with the rest of the world because of the Internet. And people don't see that as a threat because they're so far removed. They don't see what happens behind the scenes. Yeah. That the x-rays which could be read by an x-ray technician, if those student, uh, students don't go and don't 
add uh, to what the, say the BLS, the Bureau of Labor uh, Statistics, right? Their projected jobs for the next 15, 18, 20 years, if they don't meet that, those jobs will go somewhere else and technology will find a way to have those x-rays read in a, uh, another country. So by the time the doctor comes to work the next morning, he or she has the x-ray already read by a doctor in another country. Yeah, well, you know, I uh, have good experience with that myself. I pass my podcast after I record it off to an editor who lives in Europe, and he's the one who edits for me. And that's been a, a great thing in my life is that I can record something and then I go to bed and I wake up and then it's edited. And that is a really powerful personal example for me that that's really what's happening. And it's easier sometimes to find someone in a different country than it is to find someone within our own country who can do it. And that's an interesting challenge that we all have to be aware of going forward and certainly in our country. Absolutely. Absolutely right. And uh, it's something that because it's like a silent uh, experience, people don't really realize that that's what's happening. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, and I've seen this progressively as I've traveled. And last year, my wife and I went uh, to Ireland. And with their tax uh, credits and tax uh, way of, uh, for the corporates, Apple has a huge presence in Cork. There are 5,000 plus employees that are employed in Cork in uh, Ireland. So some of these things, uh, it's, it's on a different uh, scale to, or level to solve. From the, you know, the, from the government side to bring in with all the taxation and things. But the bottom line is, if they had those 5,000 jobs here, would Apple be able to find enough people to fill those jobs? Yeah, you know, I think one of the interesting things about that is that those are really big questions that a company has to invest a lot of money in going foreign as well as investing in, in staying local. But the fear that we hear in the media especially is that is what you just said that we may not have the enough people here to do those jobs because they're not trained well enough to do that and so how do we make it so that our kids are trained and are taking education seriously regardless of what the current policy is on end of level tests how do we help them stay focused and be successful I don't have a uh, concrete answer for you right now, but I will say this, that if the parents are educated and given guidance that uh, with maybe this whole 20% of the grade, they get age-appropriate guidance for their children and given tools that can be used. The internet is fantastic. They can do a lot of the research themselves. Now, I will grant you this, that when we work with the school in this particular neighborhood in East San Jose, internet access is not easy for them. So perhaps a printed, maybe do an early career test for the student and give them suggestion to the parents that perhaps you should look into how these are the areas where your son or daughter may excel. And may, you may want to consider that, uh, to give them that level of um, educational guidance. And I would definitely say this, that the expectation from high school counselors or school counselors is also way out of hand. That needs to be brought in. No, no counselor can tell you in 15 minutes what your son or daughter should be doing. It's a continuous learning process within the family. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. And so a lot of time people say that, that, oh, I got bad guidance or my counselor didn't tell me anything. And I'm thinking, really, what does a counselor have, a crystal ball that they can just look at it and tell you what you should be doing? Where are your parents? They're the ones who are seeing you on a daily basis, and they are the ones who should guide you and tell you whether you should go into biology or science or business or what have you. So there is a major reset that needs to be done uh, from the whole education point of view. And 
Um, but we can perhaps reserve that for another time. <laughs> yeah, I think that might that might be a good idea. You know, you talked about if the parents are educated and given guidance, what does that look like, and what kind of guidance do they need? Just you know, focusing on on test scores or talking about college or a script to talk about things. What kind of education do parents need? Because it's too late for them to go back to school and and be done with college before their kids go to school and talk about it then. What kind of interventions do you put in place for high school students, for middle school students and their families so they can start having that discussion? I'm going to answer that in two ways. And the first thing I'm going to say to you is that, and I'm not going to put this on the schools to do this uh, completely, but perhaps some of the nonprofits that these schools are associated with have an outside party develop coursework for the parents and have them have, again, age-specific for the child, where that child should be benchmarked at that particular grade. And as they advance in uh, in age, maybe by the fourth, fifth, sixth grade, start having some kind of an aptitude test or, you know, there are a lot of psychometric tests out there that can help perhaps determine what the child is good at or may have the aptitude for. And then I believe Germany has a system of internship. I was talking to folks from Germany and also a lot of time I've flown uh, Lufthansa and I asked the folks, uh, the staff, I always, you know, there's always time up in the air, so why not use it well? So I asked them about their career guidance and thing, and they do talk a whole lot about working in the industry for a, for a year or two years. And then that helps them f- determine whether that's uh, that's the right career choice for them. So that internship program is something that really should be used. And let me say this to you. I live in Silicon Valley, and I see internships used a whole lot by parents who are clued into the system. And now these, a lot of these are immigrants who are not that fluent in the English language, but somehow they're able to find internships for their children because there's that desire from the parent to have their child do internship. And so if these parents were struggling, and they, and you're absolutely right, we can't teach them, take them back to college. And that's one of the reasons why I founded K-12 Counts, was to have a college-educated parent work with, with a parent. And that's part of the, uh, the business model is to, once we take a family on board, till the time the child graduates high school, we'll be with them. And we can track the child across the country, because we'll have computers and systems in place, and uh, we can uh, provide that guidance. And because these uh, folks from K-12 Council be college-educated, or at least uh, also working professionals, they can provide the mentorship to these kids too. So we take the pressure off of the school to do that. I'm sorry I gave you a very long answer for that. No, I think that that's great. And that's that's the kind of thing that we need to start figuring out, how we can welcome these solutions into our schools, because the school is the right place for those connections to happen, but the school is the wrong entity to be responsible for those things to happen. And that's that's really what I'm hearing you say, that use the school to make that connection, but don't use the school to be the, the sole provider of that information because there's not enough people in education to be able to provide that for all those students. So we need to have these good public-private partnerships that will help us to be successful in providing those things to the students. Is that a fair summary of what you're saying? You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And in fact, I was leaving this again for your final question, but I'm going to go ahead and say this perhaps twice. How can I help? I really, really want to make this happen for, uh, for on a nationwide scale. And I feel that I might even have some solution in the next six to eight months. I'm working uh, on uh, doing some more research on this, actually hands-on. And I might have some solutions for a nationwide rollout of exactly what I'm telling you. 
And that's really powerful because what we need to be able to do is to provide it to everybody and have it be a replicatable system that anybody can pick up and start and figure out how to provide that mentorship for those students. And I was just on the last episode, I I talked with Terry Barilla, who talks about students who have been exposed to trauma in their lives. And the number one thing that helps students to learn how to be resilient is having a caring adult in their life. And sometimes that's a parent. Sometimes parents are not able to do that for whatever reason. But having someone else who cares about the kid and supports them, that is really important. When I'm a teacher and I have 220 students in my classroom each day, I don't have the bandwidth to be able to be the caring adult for each of those kids, though I do care about each of them. Of course. But there's just not enough time to build that relationship with each one of them. And so we definitely need somebody else to come in and and partner with parents to help make that kind of stuff happen. So I think you're going down the right path and being able to, to connect parents who are struggling with parents who are aware and motivated. And I think that there's a real real opportunity for those kinds of things to happen. And everybody listening is saying a hallelujah to the idea that schools can't have that burden placed on them only, which is how it feels most of the time for educators. That's right. And I'm going to do my best from outside-in perspective to uh, help alleviate that and get that pressure off of the schools. So if you wouldn't mind, please do share my LinkedIn post also on why the teachers in Atlanta cheated and you were too. Yeah. I think that would be worthwhile for school folks to read and also outside the whole media and the public and and the one that follows that as well. Yeah. I will definitely have links to those in the show notes. And, you know, my crazy idea for these end of level tests is I don't think that teachers should have anything to do with administering the tests. They should be done after school is out and somebody else should come in and and do the actual testing because if a teacher's pay and and livelihood and job is tied to student success, then they're going to be have way too much incentive to do something inappropriate like cheat. And you know, I think that 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 article of of why they did cheat, I think, is a is a great one, and I will definitely share that in the show notes. And I agree with you on this completely. It should be at a national level exam, and it should be administered by the main departments of education, whether they're state or whether they're at the national level. It's not the responsibility of the local administration to administer. I mean, they can provide the venue for those testing, but it should be done, and the grading should be handled by somebody else as well. Yeah. Absolutely. It's uh, it's uh, imperative. And that's why when uh, somebody who graduates from the Central Board of Secondary Education in India, whether they're in Chennai in, uh, uh, or they're in Mumbai or they're in New Delhi, it doesn't matter because that's it's a standardized nationwide exam. And so when we compare notes and say whether I scored 75%, I scored 82 we know benchmark where we stand against somebody else in the same country. Yeah. Yeah, I can see how there would be some power in that, though most of us in education are trying to move away from those types of things and have different ways of measuring student skills. However, if if we're not the ones who are doing it and it's just reporting back to us how they did, then I, I definitely can get more behind that approach. But you've definitely caused me to think during this conversation. I appreciate that. And we're getting close to the end of our time. So I am going to ask that question that you've been waiting for. (laughs) What is the one thing that a principal can do starting this week to be a transformative principal? Okay, just give me one more minute, please. I want to quickly add one more thing to the nationwide testing. 
the immigrant parents uh, here who are aware and who are educated themselves, they know how the system works and they guide their children to taking the SATs and the ACTs and making them as competitive as possible so they get into the Berkeleys and the uh, Ivy League schools and stuff. Rest of the public who is completely unaware of what these tests do on a uh, national level or on an international scope, they are the ones who struggle and their students fall behind. So it's not fair. That, that needs to be leveled, and that can be only leveled when you have a nationwide exam. Gotcha. All right. What's one thing we can do? Actually, two things for this, and that is first thing is I would again emphasize and say that the schools need to introduce a nationwide exam. So that becomes a benchmark. And the second thing as well is for uh, – I know this talk gets talked a lot on, on your podcast about in, uh, basically increasing the expectations from the students, but they should have tests – because just like sports, they're not two teams in the final for a reason. They're there because of sports excellence and making it happen. Same thing on academic ex- excellence. Students need to be able to compete with each other, and there should be some ranking or some gra- strong grading for them. So I urge the principals to do that. All right. And last but not the least, please tell me how I can help, whether it's books or whether it is Uh, videos or whatever you want, please talk to me. Great. And people can connect with you through the LinkedIn links that I'm adding to the podcast show notes. Yes. And I'll give you my share, my cell phone and my email with you as well. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll put that in the show notes so that people can get a hold of you. Thank you so much, Sumant, for being on the podcast today. Thank you too. Pretty interesting stuff, huh? I think there's room for us to have some of these discussions and thank you for being part of that discussion. If you have thoughts or comments about it, please uh, feel free to drop me a line or reach out to Sumant. You can find his links in the show notes at transformativeprinciple.org. Transformative Principle is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.